rules of thumb don't change when it comes to home buying. The basic reasoning and logic that you use to drive your home buying decisions, those don't change. From MoneyFit by DRS, it's the MoneyFit Podcast, the show about financial education opportunities all around us and practical financial tips right in front of us. I'm Todd Christensen, and on today's show, I speak with Dr. Luke Erickson of the University of Idaho's Margaret Ritchie School of Family and Consumer Sciences about the challenges and opportunities for first-time homebuyers in hot housing markets. Don't touch that pause button. Dr. Luke Erickson is an accredited financial counselor, realtor, and Associate Professor of Personal Finance in the Margaret Ritchie School of Family and Consumer Science at the University of Idaho. His current role as a state extension specialist involves teaching, scholarship, extension, and other community educational programs. Luke has over 15 years of experience teaching personal finance programs, and he lives in the Boise area with his wife and four kids, enjoys CrossFit, and occasional stage appearances with the Music Theater of Idaho. Luke, a welcome to the Money Fit Show. Thank you, Todd. It's uh, it's great to be here. I, I really appreciate having you on. Uh, we've gone back a few years, you and I, in financial education. As I've mentioned to you, I'm going to start off with a question that's to get us going here. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do okay. it. Okay. What is your favorite part about going to work each day? <laughs> Well, um, the favorite part uh, about what I do is working with people and helping people. Um, obviously, I spend most of my time on education. And the way that I like to uh, reach people and um, help them is through uh, educational efforts and specifically through creative things. And so we've, I say we, me and my colleagues, we have worked a little bit on some programs that uh, um, that help uh, you know learners learn through experience, um, through experiential education, and, and primarily through games that that teach you know consequences of mm-hmm. certain financial decisions that they might make. Yeah, uh, so that's something that I've had a lot of fun with. Yeah, actually, uh, we we have planned to have you back in uh, for for another episode, two episodes, and I do want to talk to you about your games because they are fun and really awesome to, uh, tools. So yeah, thank uh, you. Today we want to talk about now. I you are you're a realtor. You, I, I think am. you said I, you just kind of got your license recently. I did. I'm just in, in this past year, <laughs> and there's a couple of reasons for that. One yeah. of them is that uh, I um, just have a natural interest in housing and finance, obviously because of what I do. But also, um, as you know, uh, in this local area in the Boise, Idaho area, um, the market has really taken off. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just wanted to be able to uh, follow it a little bit more closely and see, you know, see how it panned out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and in my discussions with people around the country, of course, uh, it's it's just nuts everywhere. Uh, right. from coast to coast, uh, north to south. The, the pandemic, I don't know how much it played. Well, I know it played a role, uh, but uh, we, I don't I, I don't think many of us saw that that part coming. No, I certainly didn't. And I've got a story about that I might share a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, today uh, we, I wanted to talk about some of the rules of thumb for buying a first home, especially in a, an unpredictable housing market. I want to kind of contrast 
my experience as a first-time homebuyer when I was 37 years old with that of my with my uh, now homeowning son who bought his first home at 22. He, you know, he's just, I think, a lot smarter than I was at that same age. He borrowed <laughs> less. He was, he was, he borrowed less than what he was qualified for. I've always, when I was young, borrowed as much as was, was ever possible. And he's in college. He's collecting rent from roommates. Uh, it, it's a slight fixer upper, got a good deal on it. He's, he used his family network. He, his home is going up in value. Was what kind of rules of thumb would he probably have followed, or would it be wise to follow? Or is there just a secret to home ownership that's well still a secret? <laughs> well, um, that's a loaded question. Everything you said. I want to start by saying it sounds like your son um, was taught very well, Todd. So hats off to you. <laughs> he, it wasn't just me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it takes a village, right? Yes. Um, but uh, uh, that being said, you and I, we, we learned uh, a little bit more through trial and error, sounds like. Uh, I certainly did. Um, the, to answer your question, uh, what rules of thumb are there uh, in a market like this? And it doesn't even matter where you are. Um, you know, like you said, throughout the United States, the market has gone pretty crazy. I could not have predicted that. Right. Uh, I, I really didn't think that that was going to happen a year ago, year and a half ago. I, I thought we had really reached the top of the market. I was very wrong. <laughs> uh, what rules of thumb then should we follow in a hot market like this? The, the answer is actually very simple, but a little bit complex. But what I mean by that is the rules of thumb don't change, <laughs> right? Okay. When it comes to, when it comes to home buying, the basic, you know, reasoning and logic that, that you that you use to drive your home buying decisions, those don't change. Mm -hmm. uh, what what does change are, you know, your financing options and of course prices. And of course, when you're working with a realtor, you know, how you approach the actual purchase of a home. Mm -hmm. So um, what what things then don't change? I would say, you know, when you're looking at uh, you know, debt to income ratios, basically your income and, and how much your total price should be on your home. Obviously with interest rates at record low levels, um, what that means is you can essentially afford a little bit higher priced home, but your monthly payment will, um, you know, still be, you know, in that same ballpark area mm -hmm. that it should be, should have been otherwise. Right. Is that, is that, uh, it, that's traditionally in the 30, 35% range, right? Right. So there, there are a handful of different rules of thumb you can use. And, and part of that comes down to how much debt you have, other, other consumer debts that you're making payments on. If you've got large auto payments, student loan payments, um, credit card payments, then um, you know, the, the rule of thumb says you shouldn't be spending as much on your house. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if you, if you don't have any debt, let's say you're debt free. You know, again, the rules of thumb say that you can spend a little bit more on your house and, and raise that ratio, that percentage a little bit. That's one interesting thing when it comes to rules of thumb. They're rules of thumb for that very reason. They're general bits of advice, but when it comes down to personal decisions, you really have to put some thought into it. You can't just blindly follow a rule of thumb because they even those can get you into trouble because there are a lot of factors that go into you know financial stability and whether or not you're making a wise um, home purchasing decision. Let's let's say that. Uh... This never happens and never happened back in the Great Recession. But somebody goes in and the lender says, you qualify for 35% or we could even qualify you for 45%. If they just go by that rule of thumb, if the homebuyer goes strictly by the rule of thumb without thinking about their own personal finance, 
what's what what are the consequences or what are the potential problems with ignoring right excellent question um and you know we we have a very obvious answer of what happens to that especially on a mass scale because like you mentioned back in 2007 2008 that's exactly what happened banks were lending all sorts of money that people really couldn't afford to pay back and um you know of course uh Banks did that aggressively because they were making the assumption that that housing prices and the market would continue to be hot and continue to go up, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> which is which seems like a no brainer. They can't keep going up forever. Right. Um, so um, you know what happens when the bank wants to throw a lot of money at you, but um, you know you've crunched your own numbers and you know that it's just not wise. <laughs> or let's say that you haven't crunched numbers and you're wondering, you know, is this too much? Should I really right. take all this money? Well, the first step then is to crunch those numbers for yourself. You know, again, rules of thumb when it comes to your debt, balance that out. You know, you really shouldn't be spending more. And there are all sorts of guidelines, but generally they say 36% of your income um, should be spent on a mortgage uh, plus other consumer debts and and no more than that. So clearly, Um, if if you're spending higher than average on some of these other things like a car or you have a real massive student loan debt, Right. Then, that, then you need to adjust that rule of thumb. You, you really do. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it's, again, it's not, it's not cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all these little bits of advice. They're starting points is what they are. Right. Right. But, you know, uh, if, you know, another rule of thumb is uh, 28% of your gross income towards mortgage payments. I like to go down to 25% and make it easy, just a quarter of your income. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, just a starting point. Another starting point sometimes people use uh, are um, somewhere between three, three and a half to four times your um, your gross monthly income on the total price of the house. Now, again, as we've discussed, you know, the differences in interest rates can make it can make a difference in, you know, whether you should be closer to three or four. Mm-hmm. Again, a starting point. Uh, so the higher the higher the interest rate, uh, more likely you are to be at three rather right. than four. Yeah. Cause that means essentially you'll be end up, uh, end up making more of your payment will go towards interest in, in the end, you'll be spending less on the actual house payment <laughs> on the principal and, right. um, and in the end, not be able to really afford quite as much on housing. Yeah. Now uh, currently interest rates are, uh, I haven't checked today for a couple of weeks, 4% range, which are, I think are up a little from where they were six, four months ago, five months ago. Can you yes. speak to historically where we're at, where that is still? I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, it's gone up. It's at 4%. How, how does that fit in historically? Well, let, let me uh, tell just a, a quick little personal story here. When we um, moved to the Boise area a few years ago and, you know, we locked in an interest rate and then um, we had prepaid to lock in an interest rate because I felt like they were going to go up. Well, they ended up going down about a half a point or about 5%, per, uh, 5% um, you know, from about, what was it, 3.75% to 3.25%. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I remember losing a little bit of sleep over that because, you know, in the end, that small difference can make, you know, a difference in your monthly payment and how much you end up spending on interest over the long term of your loan and that sort of thing. And it's funny though, because if you take a big step back, all you have to do is go back, you know, 10, uh, even go back 15, 20, 30 years, and you can see interest rates that were much, much higher than what we've seen at all in the past five, almost 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so uh, to answer your question, historically, rates have been low and they've been low for a very long time. And we thought that they were pretty low at around four and five percent. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, recently and especially during COVID, um, we've seen rates dip all the way down in some cases, even below three percent for some people who are qualified with uh, excellent credit and that sort of thing. So will you know how long will those rates last and will we ever see them again? I, I they're so low that they're they're artificially suppressed in my opinion and mm-hmm. just by decisions of the Fed and, and what the government is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that that has been done is because of COVID and trying to continue to stimulate the economy and the housing market and that sort of thing. I think it's safe to say that we've made it through the COVID scare, <laughs> right? And, and we're on the other side of it. So I, I do suspect that we'll see uh, interest rates continue to creep up a little bit, and and part partially in an effort to um, you know temper the housing market, uh, cool it down a little bit. There's nothing wrong with a hot housing market, but as we've seen before in history, if it if it keeps going, gets too out of control, housing prices become unaffordable, especially to first-time homebuyers, and um, it causes a mess of other problems. And so, you don't necessarily want a continued hot housing market. You, you know, it's good for sellers, of course, but you have to keep in mind that somebody's got to be able to, you know, afford these things, whether it's through loans or or cash. And the only way that they're going to be able to do that is by keeping those ratios uh, in, the, in that area that we've already talked about. Right. Okay. So as, as economies, is, I don't know if that's a general rule of thumb, but as economies uh, increase, interest rates on homes tend to increase, decrease, or stay the same, or it depends. Yeah, I think it, it depends is, is a favorite economist's answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, because there are there are so many factors that, that that go into housing prices, and so you know sometimes uh, you know with the housing or sorry with the uh, overall economy doing well, it puts more money in people's pockets, and therefore people are willing to spend a little bit more on housing, and jobs are a little bit easier to come by, and, and promotions and higher paying jobs. So generally, I think that is what we see. Uh, however, I do think that there there are exceptions to that a lot of other factors that uh, can play into that. And, you know, not the least of which could be a global pandemic. (laughs) Right. Very unexpected. Right. So Luke, when, could you give us an idea of how perhaps breaking one rule of thumb when it comes to housing might be a little more painful than breaking another or others? Right. So, um, you know, rules of thumb are meant to uh, keep us from the consequences that naturally, you know, occur if you don't follow them. So that gets to that question. What are the consequences of not following rules of thumb? Mm -hmm. Um, Really, it comes down to a couple of things, but it's being house poor. Uh, That's a term that we sometimes use to refer to a, a household, a family, a person who has purchased a house that is more expensive than what they can really afford. Uh, what that essentially means is that um, the bulk of your, you know, income is going to go towards house, housing, and you don't have very much money to do anything else with. So whether that's to pay for your auto payments, or or just you know uh, basic necessities like food, uh, clothing, um, transportation, and um, and then of course it gets into that uh, you, you know uh, needs versus wants. But you know a lot of your wants will suffer you'll think, oh, okay, um, I don't have very much money, so I can't go out on the weekends anymore. I can't go on vacations anymore. Uh, it's not a fun place to be, uh, to be house poor. Right. So that, yeah, is, I, your, that is your first consequence, right? Um, yep. A few other consequences you'll see, of course, when it gets really bad, is that you'll, you'll add more to your consumer debt. So 
So you're spending too much on housing, which means you'll take out loans and other areas of your life to make up for that. Mm-hmm. And you can only do that for so long before, um, you know, either you'll go, go into bankruptcy, possibly foreclosure on your home. Yeah. So those are, those are the consequences of not, uh, of not following the rules of thumb. So which rule of thumb then is the most important? <laughs> it's just whatever rule of thumb is going to help you uh, keep that house in that affordable range. We've thrown a few um, guidelines and rules of thumb out there. They all have their own purpose. I think uh, for most people, take a look at those rules of thumb and, and, and examine your own situation to as many of those rules of thumb as you can. <laughs> yeah. Try to stay within those as much as possible. Yeah, I, I wish I had thought a little more about it when I was uh, in my younger years. My rule of thumb back then was take everything that they could send your way and hope uh, <laughs> that you can pay it back. And oh, uh, pay that, it back. <laughs> that led to some painful situations. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I could say you're the only one, but we know better. Yeah. There are many of yeah. us who have, who have done that and learned the hard way, or sometimes we don't learn very quickly <laughs> from the consequences. Yeah. But. yeah. Oh, I, it took me, it took me a decade or more. Uh, right. Before we, uh, as, as we uh, approach the end of the, of the episode today, uh, Luke, I wanted to ask you this, as, uh, as far as with skyrocketing home values that started, uh, I mean, they, they started going, of course, they, they've been going up steadily for, for more than a decade, but really starting to skyrocket, I think, back in the 20, about 2020. What, what's a new home buyer to do? I mean, if they just feel like they are being priced out of everything, everything in the, in their market. That's an excellent question. I have two parts to my answer. I think the first part is um, a local answer. So if you're in a local area where prices have really just exploded and you really cannot afford a starter home, mm-hmm. what is my advice to you? Um, my, my gut says wait it out because, <laughs> you know, they should be leveling out uh, housing prices should, um, you know, balance out with local jobs and income eventually. Mm-hmm. However, there are exceptions to that. And the reason I say that is because all you have to do is take a look at certain markets, uh, particularly in California or Seattle, that sort of thing, where prices go up and, ha- and did, you know, decades ago, and they never really come back down. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain markets where demand is always going to be high and people are always willing to pay um, quite a large portion of their budget. And what you usually see in some of those areas is people have to get creative. They will, um, you know, purchase a home, but then rent a room out, or they'll have to work a side hustle, or they'll have to rely on a dual income household in order to make those payments. Mm-hmm. And so if you have to be in a specific area and prices are really out of reach, you're going to have to get uh, creative. And by creative, I don't mean reckless, <laughs> right, right, right? Because there are some people who say, well, creative financing, we'll just borrow interest only loans or something like that. No, don't do oh, that. Right. But, but, but you know, a, a two income uh, household, uh, roommates, things of that nature can help you uh, um, get a starter home in a high price market. Okay. Uh, the other part of the other an, uh, part of my answer is if you're a young professional and, you know, you're looking uh, for your first job, your first place to make a start. One thing that I really stress and encourage uh, people to do is look um, nationwide and, and, and really consider um, cost of living when it comes to job offers. So you may get somebody who says, oh, I've got this job offer for you know, $150,000 for starting job. Oh, but it's in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then you say, well, I've got this other job offer and it's uh, down in you know, Texas. 
and it's, you know, it's only $80,000. It's, it's almost half, but, but then you look at, you know, the cost of living there and it's much, much lower. And in the end, your lifestyle might actually be better down in Texas than it would be in the Bay Area, even though you're making less money. So, um, really have to uh, online. There are a good handful of cost of living comparison calculators. So you can actually enter your geographical areas that you're comparing and enter the differences in, in salary that you're being offered. And it'll tell you um, which one is actually going to give you the better lifestyle, if that makes sense. Yes. Oh, those, those are, I've, I've used those as great tools and right. I recommend them as well. So well, be flexible, be creative um, in, in a hot housing market like this. But I will say uh, patience, uh, it's a two-edged sword. As you wait too long, housing prices continue to go up, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually they're going to have to level out. They're going to have to, even in some cases, some markets we may see when, I don't know, but we may see housing prices start to come back down a little bit. All right. Well, let's, uh, to finish up here, Luke, what is one bit of practical uh, advice or uh, a step that listeners, you would recommend to listeners today? Well, it's a, the thought I want to leave our listeners with is one that holds true, not only with our discussion today, but a lot of areas of finance. It's don't get caught up in the hype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is uh, one of Warren Buffett's big things, right? One of the wealthiest investors out there. And, and that's his thing. Don't get caught up in the hype, right? Like people right now are, are flipping out about uh, housing prices and, you know, throwing a whole bunch of money. I know in our local area, it's not uncommon for, for people to offer uh, you know, fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars more than asking prices on homes, and you get caught up in this bidding war and these frenzies. And and I guess if you have to have a home, that's what you do. But I just think it's a little bit on the absurd side. Um, yeah. Don't get caught up in it. You know, be wise, be smart, take your time, and make sure you make the right decisions. Good, Luke. Where can where can my listeners find you uh, and connect with you online? The easiest way to find me is. Uh, just to Google my name and probably University of Idaho. So Luke Erickson, University of Idaho. You can also Google Northwest Youth Financial Education and see a good handful of the programs that uh, I've helped develop over the years. Excellent. Well, thank you, Luke, for being my guest today. Uh, We appreciate you. Our listeners, we thank you for joining us today. Please check out our podcast archives at moneyfit.org slash podcast. And until next time, please stay money fit and stay well. 